Welcome to The Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 171 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Friday, June 10th, 2022. Nancy Pelosi's January 6th dog and pony show has begun. What is she trying to hide? What are the Democrats trying to hide? What is the Uniparty trying to hide? Details coming up. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Okay, we have some clips from Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News last night. I want to uh, get right to that. Darren J. Beatty, who is the proprietor of Revolver.News, was on with Tucker last night, and I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't share with you what he said. Here it is. My view is it's important to keep in mind what the stakes are. The stakes are the repurposing and reconfiguration of the national security apparatus against the American people. Incidentally, the Department of Homeland Security has spearheaded this, and amongst his other duties, Chairman Benny Thompson is none other than the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee in Congress as well. He's the DHS's stooge in Congress when the DHS is conducting the Patriot purge that you've spoken of so well. And so there's a reason that people like us, when we talk about federal involvement in January 6th, it's met with the most vicious and hostile response from the regime imaginable. But no matter how dark and uncomfortable these truths are, the American people need to learn about them for themselves. I encourage everyone, if you're skeptical, if you're not, if you know someone who's skeptical, go to revolver.news right now, read our report, and challenge others to do so as well and tell them to look you in the eye and say that the feds weren't involved in this. It's a clear hoax. We know what's happened, but there's unfinished business and we need to expose the feds for what they've done because as I've said on your show before, until we bring the national security state to heel, our politics will be nothing but fake and performative. There you go. Tucker's response to Darren J. Beatty. Revolver.news. And I think people feel that they are even now. It's, I will say, breathtakingly audacious of a committee whose stated purpose is to get to the truth, not to answer even the most basic questions. If you sat through this entire thing and didn't learn why the cops opened the doors to the rioters, like, what's the point? Well, not to mention the fact that um, they didn't seem to actually be rioting. 
Here's Darren J. Beatty's response to Tucker. No, it's ridiculous. There are five or six absolutely decisive questions that get to the core, the beating heart of what really happened that day, and the committee will explore none of those questions. And in fact, the committee's purpose, other than just to grandstand and distract, is to obfuscate and obscure and silence those questions from being asked. That's it. That's it. Tucker's response, obviously he agrees. It's just remarkable how many people are going along with this, and it's absolutely shameful. You are not one of them. Jeremy, I appreciate That's where it cuts off. Speaking of how many people are going along with this, people on Tucker's own network, I uh, was flipping around the dial last night, and, um, you know, Shannon Bream, Washington, D.C. correspondent for uh, Fox News, has her own show on After Gutfeld's comedy show, Late Night, on Fox News. Had Brett Baer and Martha McCallum on with him. Pardon me. Shannon Bream had Brett Baer and Martha McCallum on with her late night last night, and they were talking about last night's January 6th committee hearing on ABC as if it were legit. Well, we learned this tonight, and uh, we didn't, didn't know about that, but this came out. And instead of ridiculing it for the cover-up dog and pony show makeshift theater that it is. So that puts Tucker's comment into a new light, doesn't it? It's just remarkable how many people are going along with this, and it's absolutely shameful. Including a lot of the people on his own network. Including a lot of the people on his own network. By the way, um, Tucker Carlson's lead last night, how he opened the show, he said, Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. You know, it tells you a lot about the priorities of our ruling class that the rest of us are getting yet another lecture about January 6th tonight from our moral inferiors, no less, an outbreak of mob violence, a forgettably minor outbreak by recent standards that took place more than a year and a half ago. Well, the mob violence was not from Trump supporters, just so you know. He says, but they've never stopped talking about it. In the meantime, in the 18 months since January 6th, gas prices have doubled. Drug ODs have reached their highest point ever. The U.S. economy is careening toward a devastating recession at best. And scariest and least noted at all, and least noted of all, this country has never in its history been closer to a nuclear war. Yep. As uh, one person over there on Twitter says, Ray Epps was a standout instigator on January 6th. But he walked free. We know why. The entire event was a coordinated deceptive sham. Ray Epps walked. Now, if you don't know who he was, Ray Epps 
was the guy who was trying to talk other people into going into the Capitol starting the night before January 6th. Starting the night before. So, let me uh, give you a little audio of Ray Epps, because people were on to him early, calling him a fed. So from the night before, people yelling, fed, 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 fed. And then the next day, okay, folks, as soon as the president's through speaking, we head to the Capitol. Capitol's in this, we, we go into the Capitol. Capitol's in this direction. So Tucker played that last night, and then he introduced the reporter who has done a better job than anyone on reporting on the January 6th Fed setup, Julie Kelly at American Greatness. What is that? Now, we don't actually know the answer, but it's a completely fair question. The January 6th commission has, from day one, refused to answer it. They've refused to answer it, and they attacked anyone who asked. You're a conspiracy. Now, really, what's the answer? Well, now they're telling us they interviewed Ray Epps, and Ray Epps says he wasn't working with the government. Okay, but that doesn't answer the question. Why hasn't he been charged? Why was he taken off the most wanted list? I mean, it's bizarre. And no amount of name-calling is going to get us to stop pointing out that it's bizarre, because it is. No one has covered this story more closely or more carefully, more factually than Julie Kelly, better than anyone at the New York Times. She's the author of January 6th, that Democrats used the Capitol protest to launch a war on terror against the political right, which they have. And she joins us tonight. Julie, thanks so much for coming on. So to see the man who was apparently the front runner, according to at least one poll in the Michigan Republican primary, arrested by the FBI, I'm not sure what he did. I know it was much less than what Ray Epps did. What is this? What is this? I am truly bothered and confused by this. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? So Julie Kelly takes the ball and runs with it. Well, I'll tell you, Tucker, I read the criminal complaint that was filed today after he was arrested. It appears to me that Ryan Kelly has been under FBI surveillance since the spring of 2020, and here's why. He participated in the anti-lockdown rallies in Michigan. Apparently, he is head of this conservative conservative group that was targeting Gretchen Whitmer uh, and her emergency declaration. In the criminal complaint today, Tucker... They refer to an FBI informant who identified Ryan Kelly in public photos from the uh, Capitol protest. This FBI informant was working on a domestic terror investigation in Michigan in 2020. Now, what is that? That is what we now know is the FBI concocted Whitmer kidnapping hoax. So who is this confidential informant? Why did he ID Ryan Kelly? Also, it appears from separate 
court reporting that Ryan Kelly was in touch with one of the 13 men charged in this hoax, not the six men charged federally, the other men who faced state charges. So then this criminal, this FBI informant was hired separately as an informant um, to look at this Ryan Kelly situation. So it's very likely that Ryan Kelly was targeted uh, by the same group of FBI agents, undercover agents and informants who concocted the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. You got that? The feds are going after their political opponents. Tucker responds to Julie Kelly. There are good people at the FBI. I know some of them. Why haven't they come forward to say turning our main law enforcement agency into a, an instrument of political repression is not acceptable? Like, why are why aren't FBI agents standing up and saying, "No, I can't be part of this"? Yeah, really. Well, why why do you think? Here's Julie Kelly. You know, we really need more to do that. But what's interesting is House Judiciary uh, Committee Ranking Member Jim Jordan released another letter this week. One FBI whistleblower has come forward and said that he was penalized at the agency because he said the agency was not being entirely forthcoming about what happened on January 6th. So hopefully we will get more information and more whistleblowers to step forward because this is not what the most powerful law enforcement agency in the country should be doing. Well, I agree with that. And for our viewers who want to know what actual reporting on an actual news story looks like. And that's where it cuts off. But if you want to know, you go to amgreatness.com, look up Julie Kelly's columns, and that's your actual reporting. Now, we've talked on the Doc Washburn show about the fact that they are trying to distract us from what's really going on, okay? So I got I to gotta shift gears here for a minute. Daily Caller, going back to March 30th, K. Smythe. Article entitled, Put on Your Seatbelts. BlackRock President Warns Entitled Generation of Shortages Due to Inflation. BlackRock President Rob Capito claimed that an entitled generation will be shocked by how Upcoming shortages in labor and raw materials will remove normal items from shelves. 65-year-old Capito stated that recent, recent inflation is going to keep having a significant impact on the global economy and will push an entire generation to deal with a wave of shortages, according to Bloomberg. Capito told the Texas Independent Producers and Royalty Owners Association at a conference in late March. For the first time, this generation is going to go into a store and not be able to get what they want. We have a very entitled generation that has never had to sacrifice. Capito described the economic situation as having scarcity inflation caused by the shortage of workers and agricultural materials, as well as housing and even 
oil and gas in areas. Bloomberg report continued. Quote, I would put on your seatbelts because this is something that we haven't seen, unquote. Capito is the co-founder of BlackRock and worth an estimated $400 million, reportedly raking in almost $25 million in compensation in 2020, according to the UK Daily Mail. Some economists have estimated Americans should prepare to spend an additional $433 per month for basic household goods due to inflation, according to another Bloomberg report. The extra $5,200 per year for consumers is based on analysis from economists that focused on everyday goods and services, according to Bloomberg. I just, you know, um, I say it over and over again that uh, I just don't want you to ever be able to say, Doc, why didn't you warn us? Doc, why didn't you tell us? Brand new from the same reporter, Case Smythe at Daily Caller. The Bureau of Labor Statistics reported today consumer prices reached the highest rates in four decades. The consumer price index for May 2022 climbed 8.6% in the last year, making it increasingly difficult for American consumers to afford everyday goods. This is the largest 12-month increase since 1981, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The gasoline index rose over 4%, food by 1.2%, energy by 4%, and the food at home index increased 1.5%. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, almost all aspects of American purchases increased in May, including shelter, airline fares, new and used cars and trucks, medical care, household furnishings and operations, recreation and clothing, according to Bureau of Labor Statistics. Consumer Price Index measures the overall change in prices paid by American consumers for goods and services regardless of occupation. It does not include the spending patterns in rural areas, farming families, men and women in the armed forces, and individuals in prisons or mental institutions. The overall rise of 8.6% is higher than the 8.3% initially predicted by analysts, according to the New York Post. The climbing cost of living has been blamed for Joe Biden's sinking approval ratings. CNN senior data reporter Harry Enton said in early May American people should blame Biden for his awful economic polling numbers after the outlet CNN now found that 77% of Americans believe current economic conditions are bad. Heightened spending of pandemic savings, a lack of goods and pressures in the service sector, contributed to soaring rates of inflation, according to the New York Times, Gas prices remain the largest cause for concern as they have fueled the soaring cost of food and health care, according to the New York Post. Analysts have suggested the cost of a barrel 
of oil will approach or surpass $140 this summer, the more gas rises above the current $5 a gallon average, the greater the risk of recession, according to CNBC. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said Thursday she does not expect the economy to tip into a recession. Well, she didn't expect inflation to last very long either, did she? Yellen's comments contrast with remarks from World Bank Group President David Malpass, who said in May it was difficult to see how we avoid a recession. Similar concerns were echoed by Bank of America, which issued a dire warning to Americans about the near economic future of the country. BlackRock President Rob Capito predicted in March that an entitled generation was about to be shocked by the upcoming shortages in labor and raw material, which are already removing normal items from shelves. I'm trying to tell you what's going on. I'm trying to tell you what's going on, and I'm trying to tell you what's coming. And uh, I hope you're listening. I hope you're listening. One of my commenters on the Podbean app says, learn how to plant a garden, cut expenses, and work extra jobs. The Democrat slash rhino economy is coming. Also, there's a small chance to make Arkansas a little bit better in the June 21st Republican primary runoff election. Vote John Payton over leftist common ground rhino James Sturch. Well, you can do that if you live in that district in northeast Arkansas, and that would be the thing to do. No question. We've only begun to scratch the surface of what's coming. We've only begun to scratch the surface of the Democrat-Rhino collaboration on the January 6th hoax. There is a lot, an awful lot, to talk about this morning on the Doc Washman Show. And uh, these are some of the folks that make it possible and we appreciate them. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guide you through a few easy questions, and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. 
If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. And thank you so much to our advertisers, Jonathan Presswood and Edward Jones, Art Wilborn at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, and Mitch Ward over at Red River Your Way 
for making it possible for us to do what we do here on the Doc Washburn Show. Um, now, yesterday morning, uh, Nancy Pelosi, less than 48 hours after the attempted assassination of Supreme Court Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh, had this interaction with media, with the press. How can you say that the justices are protected when there was an attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life? You said the justices are protected, but there was an attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life. But this is about security for the justices. An armed man showed up near Justice Kavanaugh's house to try to... They're working together on the bill that the Senate will be able to approve of because that's what... We can pass whatever we want here. We want it to be able to pass the Senate. So I don't know what they're talking about because we haven't seen what the debate is. And not debate, but what the language is. It may not be a bill, but nobody is in danger over the weekend because... Uh, about not having a bill. How can you say that the justice... I don't want to start it over again, but um, see, she had been part of the attempt by the Democrats to uh, keep a bill from being passed to protect Supreme Court justice. By the way, I hardly ever quote the Southern Poverty Law Center because they are a hate group. But they've done a poll recently, and they are saying that 44% of young Democratic men are open to the idea of assassinating political leaders. Just uh, apropos of nothing. Thought you might be interested in that. So, Tim Young points out over on Twitter that night before last on the Jimmy Kimmel show, Joe Biden said there would be a revolution if a Supreme Court decision didn't go his way and that his political opponents should get sent to jail. Both of these statements are impeachable. He's exactly what leftists tried to claim Trump was. The great Daniel Horowitz over the blaze reminds us all the only attack on the Capitol that actually directly killed a Capitol police officer, you know, the one you never heard of, was on April 2nd, 2021, when Noah Green, a self-declared follower of Minister Louis Farrakhan, rammed two police cars resulting in the death of Officer William Evans. I don't know of any memorials for Officer William Evans being used to inveigh against black supremacism or law enforcement programs dedicated to monitoring future Noah Greens. Just so you know. Just so you know. By the way... The Center for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation 
considers each infectious disease outbreak as a business opportunity, working through governments and treasuries to respond with only one vaccine solution, no interest in treatment. Here is Dr. Peter McCullough on the emergence of emergence of monkeypox over One American News. I wonder, is One American News even still on your cable system? Here's Dr. McCullough. Should we be worried about another pandemic? There's been a lot of planning. You know, the Gates Foundation, World Economic Forum, and, and uh, Welcome Trust formed CEPI, the Center for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovation, in 2017. And this pandemic preparedness unit has a business plan, and they position every infectious outbreak as a business opportunity to produce only one type of response, and that's CEPI has no interest in producing therapies or responding to therapies. So it looks like we're, we have uh, stakeholders, if you will, almost syndicate in place to try to respond to each pandemic response, working through the treasuries and public health departments of every country with respect to a Remember, don't treat the illness. Uh, I don't know why they're bleeping that. I wonder if I can lip read health departments of every country with respect to a remember don't treat the illness and for rare looks like he's saying vaccines don't treat the illness illnesses like this efforts are best spent just treating patients and getting people through it You know, Dr. McCullough, I saw a recent ABC News analysis of federal data that shows a growing portion of deaths are happening among the but it goes on to say that this data should not be interpreted as not working in fact they say these real Talking about coronavirus deaths and vaccines not working. World analysis continue to reaffirm the incredible protection these afford. Vaccines. That's what they're believing. Especially when up to date with the boosters. Your thoughts? I guess Twitter's doing the bleeping. No, the randomized trials of the and the observational Again, vaccines. studies in the uh, Delta and now Omicron eras uh, do not show sufficient protection, even against the binary outcome of upper respiratory tract illness. There are no randomized trials showing reductions in hospitalizations and deaths, none. So it's a false claim to say that reduce severity or reduce vaccines, hospitalization. What we are seeing is a disturbing trend of more and more people in the hospital who are or fully our CDC. More and more people in the hospital who are vaccinated or fully vaccinated. He told us in December 10th of 2021 in MWR that 79% of all Omicron patients were fully vaccinated. As were fully vaccinated. Really a testimony to the failure of the current sets of uh, You know, we had a... Uh, I read the other day on a recent episode, Dr. Naomi Wolf's article about the COVID and the vaccines and, and, and uh, about the 55,000 pages from Pfizer that the FDA wanted to keep under wraps for 75 years, right? And the federal judge made him release it anyway, right? And one of the uh, side effects of uh, Pfizer vaccine was you get COVID. Now, 
Speaking of One America News, from their newsroom, this dropped yesterday afternoon after my show. Report says NIH officials took secret payments from outside firms. Really? Well, let me shocked. A new report revealed top officials of Dr. Anthony Fauci's National Institutes of Health are receiving millions of dollars in secret royalty checks. An investigative report by Open the Books, an American nonprofit organization that describes itself as a transparency group devoted to uncovering disclosed government spending, found more than one. $134 million was paid to 1,600 NIH executives, scientists, and researchers by third-party groups. The payments were revealed after a Freedom of Information Act request. The scheme reportedly involves the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China, along with several U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and Pentagon agencies, as well as the U.S. Agency for International Development. Republican lawmakers are aware of this report, and they are calling for a deeper inquiry. Really? Representative John Mullinar, Republican Michigan, said the NIH is in the midst of, as you know, awarding grants for research, is also in the position of sort of evaluating or giving opinions on drugs that work or don't work, and the idea that scientists may be benefiting financially from work that they have done at NIH That creates to me an appearance of a conflict of interest. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Just just thought you'd want to know. Remember, this is the show that actually tells you what a lot of Media is afraid to talk about. Speaking of media, afraid to talk about stuff. Um, let me let me just reiterate. Let me just remind you. The Doc Washburn show has talked about the strange death of Mark Middleton. Mark Middleton, who some weeks back was. Uh, found with an extension cord around his neck and a, apparently a shot blast, shotgun blast to his chest 30 miles away from where he lived on the uh, premises of Heifer International, a nonprofit with a lot of uh, rural land, Perry County, Arkansas. Uh, Mark Middleton was the... Uh, He was the top guy at Middleton Heating and Air, which is a big company, a big concern in the Little Rock metropolitan area. Very well known. Used to be a top official for the Bill Clinton presidential administration. Got Jeffrey Epstein into the White House seven times. So we've talked about it. RadarOnline.com has been covering it, has been talking to unnamed sources close to Mark Middleton. But guess who hasn't talked about it? Not one of the Little Rock television stations has even mentioned 
the death of Mark Middleton, or that, for that matter, Perry County Sheriff's Office first said it was a suicide and then said we're reopening the investigation. Nothing, nothing, nothing. The newspaper in Little Rock, Arkansas, biggest newspaper in the state, Arkansas Democrat Gazette, has not even mentioned Mark Middleton. Just so you know. And that's a national story. That's a national story. By the way, um, speaking of the dog and pony show last night, the January 6th thing, Jason Miller, CEO of Getter, social media platform, and former spokesperson and advisor for former President Trump, said Congresswoman Liz Cheney, Rhino, Wyoming, deceptively edited his testimony that was played during the January 6th committee's primetime hearing. Cheney played a 30-second clip of Jason Miller's video-recorded testimony. Shortly after playing the clip, Cheney said, in this clip, Miller describes a call between the Trump campaign's internal data expert and President Trump a few days after the 2020 election. Jason Miller said in the video, I was in the Oval Office, and at some point in the conversation, Matt Oshowski, who was the lead data person, was brought on, and I remember he delivered to the president in pretty blunt terms that he was going to lose. The investigators asked Miller, and that was based, Mr. Miller, on Matt and the data team's assessment of the sort of county-by-county, state-by-state results as reported. Miller said correct. The brief clip ended after that interaction, and according to Miller, Cheney intentionally left out a portion where he talks about Trump's disagreement with the data guy, Oshowski. Jason Miller tweeted out, Here's what came next in my testimony, which Liz Cheney failed to play. Question. Okay, and what was the president's reaction then when Matt said to him, hey, we've looked at the numbers, you're going to lose? Answer. I think it's safe to say he disagreed with Matt's analysis. Question. On what basis did he give a basis? Answer. He believed that Matt was not looking at the prospect of legal challenges going our way. And then Matt was looking at purely from what those numbers were showing as opposed to broader things to include legality and election integrity. Issues which, as a data guy, he may not have been monitoring. So Liz Cheney edited stuff last night. What a shock. What a shock. Yep, the uh, January 6th, they, they, they edited more than that. So the great Alex Bruschwitz, CEO of X Strategies LLC, last night on Twitter said, wow, the January 6th committee just doctored a clip. They removed Ray Epps from the video of the protesters first breaching the police barricade. Why did they remove Ray Epps from the video? The sham January 6th committee zoomed in 
on a video to only show Officer Edwards being pushed down. They zoomed in so Ray Epps wouldn't be shown whispering in the ear of the protester right before he shoved her. If you watch the video, Ray Epps clearly whispered in the ear of the protester who then pushed Officer Edwards. In the video they showed last night, they doctored that part out. Why didn't the January 6th committee want to show Ray Epps whispering? Well, we all know. We all know. Fed, fed, fed. How about that? Um, Terry Moran, ABC News. Responding to the threat on Brett Kavanaugh's life, said societies get the crazy they deserve. Oh, okay. So Terry Moran, ABC News, senior national correspondent, is uh, endorsing violence against a uh, U.S. Supreme Court judge. Sure looks like it. Sure looks like it. Oh, uh, let me go back for a minute to the COVID vaccines. Dr. Peter McCullough on Twitter, I don't have any idea how he stayed on Twitter, um, has a video clip from Dr. Russell Blaylock on the long-term oncogenic risks of persistent code for Wuhan spike protein in the bodies of our children. No way they can make a child healthier. Best way to be safe is to stay far away from synthetic LNPM ribonucleic acid and disease-promoting Wuhan spike. And here it is. What's going to happen in terms of cancer? Are we going to start injecting these little 5-year-olds and 10-year-olds? How many are developing leukemia? How many young adults are going to develop lymphoma? We're going to, we're going to find out high probability, we're going to see a real spike in childhood cancers because of this. And they're ignoring that. One of the, the, the really frightening studies was it uh, impairs DNA repair. And these DNA repair enzymes are very efficient at fixing that damage. Well, they found that after the vaccination, the vaccine actually impaired two of the most critical of these uh, DNA repair enzymes. One of them is called BRCA1. Well, some people may remember BRCA1 defect, which this vaccine produces, is the same thing that makes women have very high incidence of breast cancer, a very aggressive breast cancer. It also increases prostate cancer, a very aggressive prostate cancer. Uh, and it uh, interferes with another DNA repair enzyme. So you have a situation in which you're impairing your immunity and you're impairing your ability to repair DNA. What's going to happen over the next several years uh, we're only going to have to wait and see. But I predict you're going to see a tremendous increase in cancers. And you may see new types of cancers. Now, it goes beyond that. It's also uh, the neurodegenerative diseases because it enters the brain. And the brain starts uh, having reactions to this spike protein. And so your brain cells are being damaged by it. Your immune cells in your brain become chronically activated. And that's the basis of all neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS. Uh, and multiple sclerosis. We've already seen some cases of multiple sclerosis after vaccination. We've seen transverse myelitis, which causes paralysis uh, and blindness, loss of hearing. 
facial paralysis. We're already starting to see these neurological effects. And it's just being totally ignored by the media because the media is under the control of the pharmaceutical companies. That's where they get their funding for their, their programs. Uh, so uh, people need to be aware. These are very, very dangerous vaccines. Fox News not going to talk about it. They can't. They can't. That's uh, that's not allowed. Wall Street Journal. Last night, Kimberly A. Strassel on the uncredible January 6th committee Subtitle, Americans Need a Serious Accounting, Democrats Assured They Won't Get One. She says, this week's Washington corollary to the tree in the forest thought experiment. No, tree falls in the forest, nobody hears it, it doesn't make a sound. If the January 6th committee holds professionally polished hearings, Amid wall-to-wall primetime coverage, will anybody pay attention? If the answer is no, the committee will largely have itself to blame. The prospect of public apathy is already deeply vexing the establishment. Political worries. Democrats have the steep challenge of convincing a disillusioned American electorate to tune into the hearings. The Washington Post frets that even weeks of this miniseries may not change hearts or minds. So, the vexed are already laying blame. They say it's the fault of Republicans who will downplay the findings. Americans who are too focused on gasoline prices. And Fox News for deciding not to air Thursday's hearing live although Fox Business and every other station said they would. What's actually missing in this special sauce of prime time TV hours, slick videos and positive press, is the one ingredient truly vital for public interest, credibility. If huge swaths of America ignore the January 6th committee's work, it will be because the committee itself through its construction and through its actions, made it easy for us to ignore them. Can Americans trust the findings of a panel whose members began with a preconceived narrative and blackballed any dissenting voices? Speaker Pelosi's unprecedented decision to veto minority leader Kevin McCarthy's picks last July in favor of her own hand-picked Republican members, blew the committee's credibility before it even started work. Americans will find it easy to reject so-called evidence that is too fragile to bear the scrutiny of fellow House members. And consider Mrs. Pelosi's Democrat picks. California's Adam Schiff is the House face of the Trump-Russia collusion hoax and secret Ukraine impeachment proceedings. Maryland's Jamie Raskin knows a little something about objecting to the counting of electoral votes on January 6th, 2017. Raskin objected to Donald Trump's Florida victory. 
Mrs. Pelosi had more than 200 Democrat members to choose from, yet her picks allow Americans to dismiss the January 6th committee instantly. The committee might have redeemed itself, even with this makeup, had it conducted its work in a sober, professional manner. Instead, within months, it had become the worst type of Washington leak machine, dribbling documents, texts, emails, and inside tidbits about who was up for a grilling next and what was coming out of depositions. At least one of the text messages, if released, pardon me, at least one of the text messages it released was altered by who else? Adam Schiff. To exclude context and falsely malign former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. This practice reached a, a, a low in March when the committee leaked personal text messages of Jenny Thomas, wife of Justice Clarence Thomas. The messages had no real bearing on the events of January 6th, but were perfectly timed to coincide with a left wing campaign to smear Justice Thomas and pressure him to recuse himself from key cases. How much confidence should Americans be expected to have in a body that has abused the investigative powers it has for political gain? Speaking of those powers, is it fair for the nation to be skeptical of a committee that has trampled any number of institutional norms or practices in the name of returning us to institutional norms and practices? Ms. Pelosi's veto of Republican members. The committee's initial directive to telecom and social media companies to preserve the communications of private citizens, including members of Congress, but to keep the targets in the dark so they had no opportunity to litigate. The flurry of criminal referrals to the Justice Department with no debate over whether those accused might have legitimate claims of executive privilege the committee's more recent jaw-dropping decision to subpoena sitting members of Congress. Finally, how can Americans be asked to trust a committee whose work Democrats are openly broadcasting as a political operation? The New York Times explains January 6th hearings give Democrats a chance to recast midterm message, noting that the party hopes to change the subject from the Biden White House's mounting liabilities, which include roaring inflation, a porous border, soaring crime, and a baby formula shortage. Republicans last year darkly hinted that this was the real purpose of the committee and leave it to Democrats to make that case for them. It didn't have to be this way. Each of these decisions was deliberate and each was an obvious exercise in self-sabotage. Most Americans would like to know more about the events of that horrible January day to have a serious national debate and to ensure it never happens again. But this committee is not a credible messenger. That is Kimberly Strassel, Wall Street Journal. With her op-ed from last night, the uncredible January 6th committee. How about that? The uncredible January 6th committee. Well, needless to say, needless to say that there were um, a number of liberals out there in social media who had a real problem with what Kimberly Strassel said. Oh, yes. Had a real problem 
Now, first of all, uh, conservative columnist and talk show host Hugh Hewitt quoted Kimberly Strass of Wall Street Journal saying, can Americans trust the findings of a panel whose members began with a preconceived narrative and blackballed any dissenting voices? And, of course, that's an obvious question, which has an obvious answer. Oh, my goodness. Stephen Hayes. Formerly, he's one of those guys who used to be a panelist on Brett Baer's show on Fox News. He's editor and CEO of something called The Dispatch, which uh, is a rhino publication. He says the obvious answer, they don't need to. In other words, Americans don't need to trust the findings of the January 6th commission. He says they can trust the sworn testimony of top Trump administration officials in real-time audio and video of the attacks. He calls peaceful protest attacks. Well, a friend of mine, Irish T, over there at uh, Twitter said, you're a liar. There were no defense attorneys allowed. They refused to show any rebuttal by the actual witnesses. The kangaroo court cherry-picked the answers they preferred. Also, pretending this was bipartisan also proves you're a liar. Okay? But Kim Strassel herself says, actually, it's not obvious. Stephen, it's not an obvious answer. That's the point. In a normal committee and in our adversarial system, there would be minority counsel at those depositions who pushed back, who assured what was presented contained context, the full story. I'm just pointing out the problem. It's the equivalent of saying a jury doesn't need to hear anything from a defense attorney so long as they have the sworn testimony of the arresting officer. Most people wouldn't feel very comfortable with that, even if the officer made for a credible witness. I'm just trying to tell you what's going on, y'all. I'm just trying to tell you what's going on. By the way, uh, Stephen Horn, independent multimedia journalist, said the January 6th committee managed to skip over the hour between when the Trump supporters entered Capitol grounds and when the Capitol itself was breached. In that hour, police threw explosives into the crowd. An officer pushed Derek Vargo to his near death. How about that? How about that? By the way, uh, two people suffered a medical emergency and died shortly after exposure to flashbang grenades, rubber ball, CS gas explosion. How about that? Mainstream media tell you any of this stuff? No. Didn't think so. Didn't think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, remarkable what they won't talk about. 
what they absolutely, positively refuse to talk about. Um, so, anyway, um, I'm, I'm just... I'm just scratching the surface. I feel like um just uh getting started. Somebody said congrat uh, on on the Podbean app. I get comments sometimes. <clears throat> Somebody said congratulations doc on losing the primary. Now you are free and right where we need you in my opinion. If I may be so bold, right where you need to be. Well, appreciate your kind words and, and, and you're following the podcast. Um, but is the puppet of Walmart, Tyson, and the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce, who is now the Republican nominee, um, and uh, by all accounts will be the next governor, is she right where she needs to be? I'd say we're going to reap the whirlwind. Just, just a thought. Just a thought. Uh, I have a lot more thoughts coming up. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton, make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas... Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. 
It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Okay, thank you again. Thank you again to more of our advertisers who make it possible for us to do what we do here. My friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, and my attorney for that matter. And my friends, doctors J.R. and Tanya Crabtree at the Arkansas Upper Circle Center who help keep my wife and me healthy, and and so many other people we know. So many other people we know. All right. um, So, Benny Thompson. House Select Committee Chair Benny Thompson. had something to say last night and uh, I need to share it with you because not a word of it is true. Here he is. This is the guy in charge of the January 6th committee. I'm Benny Thompson, chairman of the January 6th, 2021 committee. Okay, that part is true. I was born, raised, and still live in Bolton, Mississippi. Okay, that part's true. A town with a population of 521. Yeah, that part's probably true. Which is midway between Jackson and Vicksburg, Mississippi. Okay, I'll give him that part. That part's true. And the Mississippi River. Right. I'm from a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan, and lynching. Uh, that hasn't been true in generations, but, you know, that's a big deal. I'm a part of the country where people justify the actions of slavery, the Ku Klux Klan and lynching. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm reminded of that dark history as I hear voices today try and justify the actions of the insurrectionists on January 6th, 2021. It wasn't an insurrection. It was a Fed surrection. It was set up by the Feds, and he knows it. He knows it. Oh, oh, this is interesting. Given Benny Thompson's checkered history of ugly racism himself, he might want to tone down the moral preening. Oh, oh. April 30th, 2014, USA Today. Congressman stands by calling Clarence Thomas and Uncle Tom. So who's the racist? Who's the racist? 
Just thought I would share that with you, you know. Now, Emerald Robinson. Emerald Robinson was a uh, chief White House correspondent for Newsmax. Apparently got fired for uh, questioning the vaccines. She's a great reporter. We need more like her. She's got a column over at Substack called Emerald Robinson's The Right Way. Bombshell ex-Dominion employee has Fulton County recertified primary results in secret meeting. What? She says Georgia's primary elections have descended into chaos in Fulton County and DeKalb County. That's two big counties for Atlanta, in case you didn't know. And Dominion voting system machines are at the center of both scandals. In fact, an ex-Dominion voting systems employee named Dominic Olomo appeared at an emergency election meeting on a Sunday in Fulton County to announce that discrepancies in Dominion machines forced him to recertify the results of the primary election without having any vote totals to verify. Oh, my goodness. And she has links to the... uh, the videos there. But I, I'm sure, you know, nothing like that would happen in your state or my state, right? Right? I mean, Atlanta, that's kind of a, you know, kind of a messy place when it comes to election integrity, but certainly, certainly not in uh, Arkansas or Texas or. Nah. I mean, we've presented evidence, but anyway. There's a guy on uh, Twitter who goes by uh, the name Martyr Maid. He's got a podcast, and he has some pretty uh, interesting observations. So on May 31st, on the two-year anniversary of when Washington, D.C. and a lot of the rest of the country was up in flames with riots breaking out all over with tear gas flashbangs and looting happening across all major cities. This guy, Martyr Maid, said, Media figures, local officials, and Democrat Party activists were on weekly calls discussing how to put the George Floyd riots to political use The Defense Department was going around the executive declaring it would not intervene to stop the carnage, daring Trump to intervene. Textbook color revolution. This really must be remembered as a true watershed moment in American political history. The combined force of every major institution united to sponsor and direct attacks on American cities. They refused to prosecute the destroyers, but prosecuted people who defended themselves. Kyle Rittenhouse, remember him? When their opponents tried an extremely minor and tame version of it on January 6th, 
An unarmed woman was executed on camera by a Capitol Police officer who was who was uh, celebrated as a hero for his murder. And yes, if you're a Republican, your own leaders kissed his feet as well. If Trump accomplished nothing else, he brought the regime out of the shadows. We weren't supposed to have regimes in America, but that's an illusion we'll never have again. There is a regime, and they will kill you and burn your neighborhoods for challenging their power. This is one of the reasons I refuse to accept the bait narrative that my enemies are in Russia. Russia can be a problematic country for sure, and in normal times, a geopolitical rival to us. But my enemies are Washington, D.C. That's right, bro. That's right. As consumer prices reach highest rates in four decades, it's on purpose. I don't know about you. I've been buying a lot of extra cans of uh, soup. You know, this uh, Naomi Wolf, who I uh, shared with you what she was saying about what Pfizer and the FDA knew about the harmful effects of the vaccine. She's got a new uh, new article out on her substack called Rethinking the Second Amendment, subtitled Can We Indeed Have Peace and Freedom Without Guns? I would read it to you, but it's so long, and I'm about out of gas. I need to get a few more things to you. Dr. J. Bhattacharya, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Professor Stanford School of Medicine, MD, PhD, Health Policy, Infectious Diseases, COVID, Health Economics, Scientific Freedom. That's his profile on Twitter. He says, the dirty secret of public health, a field composed almost entirely of people politically to the left, is that many in the field hold a visceral disdain for people on the right. Bigoted, stereotypical views of the political right are the norm. When it comes to public health, did y'all know that? It's true. But public health, to be effective, must be able to persuade the entire population. It is a different profession than politics which needs to persuade only 50% plus one. Public health will fail until it fixes its intolerance and leftist political monoculture. By the way, he says, these posts are intended as a plea for tolerance and professionalism in public health. They don't endorse any particular political stance. People of every political persuasion have important contributions to make to public health if only the moralizing around politics would stop. Y'all, I'm old enough to remember at the same time that the public health community was begging us to wear masks, begging us to practice socialist distancing, all of a sudden after George Floyd, hundreds of these leading lights in American public health said the social justice was more important than social distancing, so get out there and protest and forget all about all that stuff. If they believed it, that masking and socialist distancing 
was for our health, they wouldn't have said that. Anyway, um, you know, trying to take our guns away. Uh, Todd Hagoplan, the treasurer of the uh, Libertarian National Committee, says the largest mass shooting in U.S. history took place on December 29, 1890. The U.S. Army confiscated the guns of the Sioux Indians for their own protection and then proceeded to slaughter 297 people, including 200 women and children. Never let the government be the only ones with the guns. Just so you know. By the way, I don't know. Is there going to be a a congressional committee hearing on this? Hunter Biden's laptop lady got $20,000 federal stimulus for female-owned sole proprietorship. Las Vegas call girl. Right? Las Vegas call girl who comes up repeatedly on Hunter Biden's laptop hit the jackpot with a uh, over $20,000 check from the federal government for her female-owned sole proprietorship shortly after her well-connected client's father moved into the White House, according to federal records. The check Uncle Sam cut to Cheryl DeBoves was part of the Coronavirus Paycheck Protection Program bailout. And she listed it as saving one job in the field of independent artists, writers, and performers. She was a prostitute. That was her independent performing. Just so you know. Just so you know. Thought I'd share it with you. Oh, oh, well, I I can't wrap up without sharing this with you. New study, mask mandates associated with increased COVID death rate. Scott Moorfield, townhall.com, a bombshell. New medical journal report comparing COVID-19 fatality rates across counties in Kansas during the height of the pandemic alleged that mask mandates could be associated with higher death rates from the virus. From the National Pulse, the observational study, the Fogan effect, a a mechanism by which face masks contribute to the COVID-19 case fatality rate was published by was published in Medicine in February 2022, authored by German doctor Zacharias Fogan. The paper analyzed whether mandatory mask use influenced the case fatality rate in Kansas during the time period August 1st, 2020 to October 15th, 2020. Kansas was used for comparison because the state allowed each of its 105 counties to decide whether or not to implement mask mandates with 81 counties deciding against the measure. The paper summarized by saying the most important finding from this study is that contrary to the accepted thought that fewer people are dying because infection rates are reduced by masks, this was not the case. Results from this study strongly suggest that mask mandates actually cause about one and a half times the number of deaths or 50% more deaths compared to no mask mandates. The paper went on to theorize that the so-called Fogan effect whereby hyper-condensed droplets caught by masks are re-inhaled and introduced deeper into the respiratory tract, could be responsible for the increased mortality rate. The possibility was echoed by Dr. Aaron 
Cariotti while discussing the study during a Saturday night appearance on Fox News Unfiltered with Dan Bongino. Dr. Cariotti said, There is emerging evidence, a study out of Kansas recently that suggested that the case fatality rate with COVID is higher where there are mask mandates. Once you get infected, if you're wearing a mask, this study suggested that your chance of having a bad outcome of dying from COVID was higher. And that probably has to do with rebreathing these same, rebreathing these kind of condensed droplets that have a lot of virus in them. While several recent reports, including the University of Louisville study, have shown mask mandates have no discernible effect on COVID-19 case rates through the pandemic, the possibility that widespread and prolonged mask usage could actually have negative consequences has largely been ignored by researchers until recently. In April, a peer-reviewed study comparing mask usage across Europe during the pandemic found no negative correlations between mask usage and COVID-19 cases and deaths and even admitted to have found a moderate positive correlation between mask usage and deaths in Western Europe, which suggests that the universal use of masks may have had harmful unintended consequences. Of course, those of us with a lick of common sense and the ability to follow evolving data knew this the entire time. Still, it's nice to see the research finally beginning to catch up. Yeah, it's nice. I got some people I'm thinking about. Maybe I should email that too. Yeah. Jeffrey Anderson, American Greatness, says Roberts is courting a constitutional crisis that doesn't appear to have been a moment in our history when the potential killing of a Supreme Court justice could have had such consequential effects. Go ahead and release the... Uh, Release the decision. Get this off your plate, man. Deborah Hine, American Greatness, FBI arrest Republican candidate for Michigan governor at his home on misdemeanor January 6th charges. Julie Kelly, American Greatness, Justice Department colludes with Congress to bolster the so-called insurrection narrative. Facts don't matter in collaboration theater. And the great Victor Davis Hanson, American Greatness, talking about the Sovietization of American life. Behind all our disasters, there looms an ideology, a creed that ignores cause and effect in the real world without a shred of concern for the damage done to those outside the nomenclature. Yeah. Andrew Kerr and Jerry Dunleavy at Washington Examiner, 168,000. Deleted files recovered from Hunter Biden's laptop. Representative Jim Jordan talking about the new whistleblowers alleging the FBI is purging conservatives at the Bureau. One agent, a decorated war veteran who served in Iraq and Kuwait, the FBI had the audacity to question the whistleblower's loyalty to the country. There is a... uh, Video out there now of Ted Cruz sending the Senate into stunned silence as he reads a list out loud of left-wing violence and crime on national TV. That's uh, five minutes long. But um, I'm thinking it's about that time. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. And it's brought to you by Red River Your Way, redriveryourway.com. 
the big old car dealership in the middle of the country, smack dab in the middle, that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice, the way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the 48 continental United States. So the recount, this left-wing online entity, says one of these things, one of these channels, one of these channels is not like the others. And it has all the mainstream media channels last night carrying Liz Cheney lying live on Nancy Pelosi's January 6th dog and pony show. Right in the middle, Tucker Carlson of Fox News is not covering the January 6th committee. He's doing something else. And here's what he's doing. I guess i got to turn this back up. I apologize. Here's what he's doing. Any dissent is intolerable to them. Like, the, you know, one guy stands up, Joe Rogan, well, I'm not sure that that's right. Bam, let's destroy him. Like, what impulse is that? That's a totalitarian impulse, isn't it? Okay. He's talking to Sean Davis from Federalist, by the way. So the recount is slamming Tucker Carlson for not going along with all the mainstream media covering Liz Cheney live in the January 6th dog and pony show. Uh, the great John Gabriel over Ricochet, he's got the tweet of the day. He says, that's why it gets ratings. Oh! Because it doesn't put the dog and pony show on. Know what I'm saying? That's why it, it gets ratings. Jordan Boyd at the Federalist says, Democrats don't just fail to apologize for violence that pushes their agenda. They actively incite it. If you disagree with Democrats, you're an insurrectionist. But if you're a Democrat actually commit inciting violence, you get away with it. And he's just got one example after another. House Freedom Caucus Chairman, U.S. Representative Scott Perry, blasts the illegitimate January 6th committee for wasting millions of taxpayer dollars for a Soviet-style show trial that is an affront to our American republic and to the order and the rule of law and justice. That's what he did. And that's true. And that's true. All right, y'all. I I really appreciate y'all. Oh, earlier I mentioned that um, I had a uh, comment on the Podbean app as they're doing the live stream. Congratulations, Doc, on... Losing the primary, now you are free and right where we need you, in my opinion, if I may be so bold, right where you need to be. And I said, I appreciate the kind words, but is the uh, presumptive governor, the Republican nominee, who is the willing hand servant to Walmart 
Tyson and the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce right where she needs to be. And will we suffer for it as a state? And um, the response said, I respect that you tried. You never had a chance, Doc. No one did. No, she may not be where she needs to be. That's why you are where you need to be. Okay. And then another response from a different person who says, President Trump needs to listen to this podcast and stop endorsing rhinos like Sarah. Well, well, that'd be nice. And then back to the original person who said, information is power, Doc. We just need to get you back on the air. Hey, I'd be happy to get back on the radio. I'd be happy to get back on the radio. So y'all y'all pray for me. If the Lord wants that door to open, then it will. Then it will. I appreciate your prayers. Appreciate y'all uh, sticking with me. You've been listening to episode 171 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, The Views and Opinions. Expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the Tenth. Well, that's the way it is. Friday, June tenth, twenty twenty-two.